So I just watched Obi-Wan Kenobi episode three and that was more like it. Let's break it down. Hey everyone, welcome back to Movie Morning. And episode three of Obi-Wan Kenobi, just titled part three, has released on Disney+. Plus. Now, episode one, it felt like it just came out. That's because it came out literally five days ago. It hasn't been a week and they premiered two episodes. So within six days... We've already seen half this show, except we still have to wait three more weeks to see three more episodes, as in for the finale, for the show to wrap up, I should say. You don't have to wait three more weeks to see the next episode. You have to see, wait one week, but I think you guys get what I'm talking about when, I, when I'm referring to, when I said what I just said. But anyways, when it comes to Obi-Wan Kenobi, I think that a lot of people seem to love episodes one and two. So it definitely, I definitely felt on the out when it came to those two episodes because, well, because while I definitely enjoyed the first two parts that we've gotten so far, I had to admit that especially after I saw it, like as much as I liked it and as much as I was giving way more positives than negatives in the, in that review, I did have to admit that I didn't love the show as much as I wanted, and it did disappoint me in many ways, and I really just wasn't on board with the story, and it seems like even that I was pretty alone on, but I have to admit when it comes to this episode, I was pretty much sold right from the bat, mainly because everything just felt more cinematic. When it came to last week's episode, I think that especially in the parts of episode one where we flashed away from Tatooine, it felt very TV and had this very anti-Star Wars feel that I didn't really like. Episode 2 kind of improved on that, and this episode, I think, worked. it worked the best with that more cinematic feel. But also, it kind of focused on more of the things I was interested in. And obviously, I, you guys know what I'm referring to, but a certain character finally makes his presence and debut in the show. And I'm not going to lie, I absolutely got chills every time this character was on screen. I mean, we know who's in. We, we know he's in the show. But with, with that said, I love this episode. This was absolutely my favorite of the three episodes so far. And everything I wanted from this third episode. And actually much better than I was expecting after seeing the first two episodes. And now I am fully in on this show like everyone else was after the first two episodes. And I cannot wait. For next week and I'm still frustrated that I'm gonna have to do both Miss Marvel and Obi-Wan Kenobi back to back because that is gonna be a complete nightmare but I did absolutely love episode three I can't wait for next week and now let's get in talking spoilers so getting right started with this episode we start off with Obi-Wan actually trying to kind of reconnect with the force he's he's you know talking to some force ghosts he's you know Anakin is playing in his head what Reva said to him is going through him there was definitely some voiceover from Qui-Gon Jinn and Yoda, and I liked hearing them, their voices again. And yes, I still do think Liam Neeson will appear as Qui-Gon Jinn, and I'm, I, but I'm assuming we might actually get it as like one of the very last things we see in the show. And, that, and I think it was recently announced that Liam Neeson would actually be voicing Qui-Gon in the upcoming Tales of the Jedi, which is going to be an anthology animated series. Knowing that he's a, he's a, he's, he'll definitely be coming back, I am fully confident he's going to be in the show. And I liked, liked that we've got to see him trying to reconnect with the Force. Because, because he was very rusty last week episode. He, it took him a while to even use the Force. Just to even stop someone from falling took a lot out of him. And I liked seeing this little moment. I overall I just love the way that Deborah Chow and her cinematographer places the camera so focused on Obi-Wan as a character. Because 
this is something that that a lot of Star Wars movies do. They're definitely less character driven and more story driven, which I understand. So the camera is never quite putting the camera at its center because every single shot in this show is so focused on make or making Obi Wan the center of it. And I just love the way she films it. Like sometimes she uses longer takes in action sequences, but yet and he's always and with the blocking, he's always at the center. And I just love the way they do that. And I feel like that definitely does carry through here, especially in this scene. And this is where we get introduced to Darth Vader. So we saw hints of him at the end of last week's episode. But I still didn't really expect him to see him here. But I was sure, definitely hoping to see him here. And just the presence Darth Vader brings right off the bat just gave me goosebumps. And the end, every single scene he was on screen was the best scenes of the episode. Because he just brought this next level of authority and just just this just gravitas that the rest of the show wasn't giving me even though I love Ewan McGregor in this role and I just loved the feeling whenever he came on screen even felt like every time he was on screen the show went above just being a tv show and I don't know if it's just because the nature of the character or just the way they every single one of his mannerisms and footsteps kind of just created an impact and I and I like that it shows him at first talking to Reva. And obviously, since he's Darth Vader and he's the coolest person on Earth, he obviously knows that Reva is trying to be the Grand Inquisitor yet. But he doesn't know that Reva killed the Grand Inquisitor, which, by the way, is still a plot hole from Rebels that I'm assuming they're just going to retcon or just say that he was alive, which I think is probably more likely. But when it came to Darth Vader, so and he also makes Reva the, Reva the leader of the hunt. And I should also say that but Darth Vader in this episode definitely had a more James Earl Jonesy voice now it's not exactly what he sounded like in the original trilogy especially in the line delivery and especially in his movement it was definitely more of a prime young Darth Vader this, this is set pretty much just over at the halfway point between episodes three and four so obviously he's aging but he's not yet like an old man and he's certainly not as old as Obi-Wan and you can see that because he's much quicker in this show than he was in the originals. He's he's a bit less calculated, a bit more ruthless, and he's definitely a bit more, let's say, reckless in certain sequences. And he definitely does. He's definitely not as soft-spoken as he was in those movies. But he definitely moves around quicker, and you can tell that right away. And I think that's where Hayden Christensen really gets the character down. Not in the voice, because he still sounds like James Earl Jones playing Darth Vader, which is understandable. You just can't change his voice. But where Hayden Christensen excels, and I bet you we're just going to find out a week from now that it wasn't him inside the suit. But even then, I'm just wondering what the point of bringing him back was. But I do think, I hope that it was him inside that suit. And I really do think the movements of this character, all the hand gestures, that was actually all him. And he really got that down right from the beginning because this guy was a force of nature. Now let's flash back to Obi-Wan and Leia. So firstly, we start off with Obi-Wan and Leia um, on this new planet by the name of Mapuzo, which is where Kamil Nanjiani's character Haja sent them from last week's episode. And here, they're kind of just walking out. This is definitely a very stormtrooper riddle. The very imperial controlled planet. It's, it's, for, it's in a mining system. So that's why the stormtroopers greet them later with, if they're a... Um, mining, minor, and actually really like the first thing. First thing I should point out is that we actually do get to see a a a, a, 
a brief shot of Hayden Christensen's Anakin Skywalker when Obi-Wan Kenobi is just looking on the distance and we see a little flash of Hayden Christensen's Anakin. Originally, I thought it was actually Palpatine, but then I had to rewind at the end and I saw that, yes, it was Hayden Christensen. So we do get to see him as Anakin. And I am assuming we're going to see a bit of flashbacks with Anakin. And I'm actually very excited to see that later down the line in the show because I do think we really need that and actually might help out and help flesh out prequels a bit because I've always been really frustrated that we didn't get more Obi-Wan and Anakin and how they separated them for episode three Revenge of the Sith was always such a mistake to me so I do hope we get more of that and also really like in the sequence that we really get to see the similarities between Leia and Padme. Leia is definitely you know for she's the forefront she's the leader she's the one talking to this transport guy who's kind of just carrying them around a planet and she's very authoritative and and she's also just quite stubborn very similar to Padme and I like that they definitely hammer down those comparisons here and I just love how she even reminds Obi-Wan of Padme and he even has this flashback showing that they they were actually friends which the prequels really do not establish at all and even Leia sees something underneath it and knows that Obi-Wan must know a bit about her parenthood and know her, her, you know, parents. But moving on, we do meet a new character by the name of Freck, and he's just pretty much carrying them around this planet. He's definitely an Empire supporter, and we even get the stormtroopers coming on the transport. They're pretend, they're pretending, they're pretending to be, or Obi Wan and they are pretending to be, uh, father and daughter from I believe the planet was Tall or Troll, and. They're pretending to be farmers, but even then, like, I also must say that Obi-Wan Kenobi's trying to not look like a Jedi. He could literally not look any more suspicious than he does, because that robe just says Jedi. But anyways, that's something I definitely noticed. Like, just get some new clothes, that's all I'm saying, if he really wants to hide. But we, we definitely get to see that he's supporting the Empire. We see stormtroopers come on the transport, and we even get Obi-Wan slipping up a bit, calling, um, Le- calling Leia Leia instead of the fake names they were using. And I just love this scene, because firstly, we get the Stormtrooper. They wrap up their conflict, and the Stormtrooper just leaves. But Ewan McGregor is so good in the sequence, especially because he shows such inner pain with the PTSD he feels, remembering Anakin and Padme. But also, we even get a hint at his youth and childhood, which I didn't expect. And I also didn't know I needed, because I loved hearing that he was part of that the, that group of Jedi that did actually get taken from their families, like most of them did, and he was one of them. And I just like that little hint at his youth and maybe how his relationship with the Jedi wasn't always smooth and was a bit more forced. And I would love to delve into like some of his darker backstory later in the series, but I love the way Ewan McGregor played this character in this episode, and especially any scene where you saw him struggling. And this scene was definitely one of them, and I love that. You can tell he's pretty rusty, and that's only hammered down later in the episode. And then we also get them a little fight sequence where we get um, Obi-Wan Kenobi using a blaster for a change. There's even one sequence where a stormtrooper gets sliced in half as he falls down through one of the shield. They manage to open the shield, and we're introduced to another new character by the name of Tala. And she's pretty much a character who's been helping people get across the galaxy, but she's impersonating an, an admiral. So I really liked her general, and I really liked seeing this very, something new, which we get someone actually Im- infiltrating the Empire, or formerly working for the Empire, and turn good, which is something the sequel trilogy set up with Finn, but never really went anywhere with it. I'm assuming we won't see too much more of this character, but I like to know that 
I liked learning that there are characters who were part of the Empire and weren't just always, you know, very happy with them and knows that, okay, they weren't really what, um, you know, they thought. And I liked seeing that here. And then we actually get Tala taking them to this interconnecting passage, passageway that can take them through other planets, I'm assuming through Alderaan, which is obviously where Leia is. And the Alderaan scenes were definitely my least favorite of the show so far, so I really hope we don't get more of that planet. I just don't think the volume that they film on really captures that setting well at all. But I also liked hearing the name drop of Quinlan, who's a character from the Clone Wars, who I can't really say I remember, but I do like that these shows are taking more and more from the Clone Wars. And I believe Dave Filoni wrote this series, so I'm assuming obviously that's where it comes from. And you can tell from the carvings on the wall because of that. And I really liked hearing that name drop. I just like that we're getting very obscure references to Clone Wars. And now we get the arrival of Darth Vader on Mapuzo. And obviously we have the third sister there, we have the fifth brother, but no one cares anymore. We just have Darth Vader as a main villain, which at first my biggest concern was that they were going to make Reva, the third sister, the main villain. And I really just didn't think all the controversies and just unfortunate circumstances with the character and what people are saying about her online, aside from all that, I just don't really think that character was enough to lead the Empire side of the series. But I love that they are indeed making Darth Vader the main villain. He's almost played in here like a force of nature, a complete horror character, which I love seeing because every footstep in this sequence and every mannerism, every just hand gesture and even like head turn, all of it was so great. And even just all the kills he did and just how he ruthlessly took people out, I just love the way they showed Darth Vader in this sequence. And he's never been more scary outside of the original trilogy well although that scene in row one was great i mean actually including the original trilogy i don't know if we ever have seen him this scary and intimidating because he is in his prime here and i just love the way he's presented in these sequences but then we get um something i really did not expect and we do get to see a showdown between obi-wan and darth vader and i had absolutely no idea we were getting this this early on and I was pleasantly surprised to see them face off one more time. And hopefully at least one more time before the end of the series. Because it would feel weird to have a fight in the middle but not one at the end. Because this fight between Obi-Wan and Vader was mostly quite good. I'm not going to go out and say it's great. I just didn't top the Revenge of the Sith battle. But I do love just seeing them and seeing a rusty Obi-Wan. And I just love the scene where he first pulls out his lightsaber. And we get Darth Vader just out of the shadows and only the lightsabers lighting the scene. I just love that. And I especially love the line where we, we hear Vader say, I am what you made me. Because Obi-Wan, which just hammers down on Obi-Wan's guilt for how he raised Anakin. Thinking that he's the one, he was the reason that Anakin ended up becoming, succumbing to the dark side. And this is, and what happens is Darth Vader, I mean obviously you've seen the episode, but we then get Darth Vader doing what Obi-Wan Kenobi did, which let Obi-Wan Kenobi cause in episode three and start to fire and then drags Obi-Wan into the fire and he starts burning. And I don't know which parts of his body burn. I believe it was part of his torso, which are now going to have massive wounds, I'm guessing. And this was such a heartbreaking moment, especially when the scream that Obi-Wan makes was so familiar to the scream that Anakin makes at the end of Revenge of the Sith. And, but I do have to admit with this fight sequence, well, I love the way it was only lit by lightsabers and just the way 
Vader was presented like a, like kind of like a Michael Myers-esque character almost. I do think there were some very weird shot choices, and I think that's due to the volume technology they're doing. So if you don't know The Mandalorian, this show, and now some movies such as The Batman have been making use of this volume technology that's pretty much this massive stagecraft that pretty much has like a almost 360-degree, you know, is the screen that can pretty much let you film in it. And you don't really need to be on location. It just kind of creates this landscape on a screen. And I think because of that, I feel like they're starting to get a bit limited with how much they can actually do. And I think when it comes to the setting for this episode, just using the volume didn't really give it the scope that I think it might have needed. And I do think it definitely needed a bit more of an epic setting to make this fight more cool because I think some of the shot choices felt a bit limited and I think that maybe was probably due to the technology and I'm just wondering just hope, just imagining in my mind how much more epic it would have been if they actually shot it on location and I get it spoilers and stuff but I really do think this show needed it to be to live up to just everyone's excitement but I have to say I did still really enjoy this fight don't get me wrong and I think they could have done anything they could have just had Obi-Wan just just swinging the lightsaber and not even touching Vader once, and I would have still liked it because it's Obi-Wan fighting Darth Vader. Like, what, what do you want me to tell you? But I will also say, although Obi-Wan's out by Tala, can Vader not jump over fire or just walk through it? I mean, he's in a mechanical suit. He's been through fire before. I don't think walking through it would hurt, would hurt him all that much, but I don't know. That's just me, and that's something that I definitely noticed and bothered me for a couple of seconds. But I definitely did move on from it. And But going back to the cinematography, I talked about how I love the way they're framing Obi-Wan in every single shot in the show. I do have to admit that I think when it came to this episode, I started to kind of feel the backdrop like very 2D. And I think that's definitely due to the technology. And I think it just works better on desert planets like Tatooine compared to you know, when they're on Mapuzo here, which is like a very green planet. I just don't think it's able to capture the cinematic feeling that I want. And the episode ends with Reva finding Leia, which is obviously our cliffhanger going into episode four. And that also ends my spoiler review right here. So I loved at part three of Obi-Wan Kenobi. And this was easily my favorite episode yet. And this is kind of everything I wanted from this show. And it's finally happening. Now we're almost halfway to the show, but I am glad we are now at this point. And I'm definitely much more excited for episode four than I was going into episode three. And this was, this is where I wanted the show to be at. And now we're, we're finally there and I cannot wait for more. I love this episode and I hope you guys did too. And I, th- I don't really know how you could be disappointed by this episode. So thank you guys so much for listening. I'll catch you all next time. Bye-bye.